shit and paper on these player haters old news money on the other line so I'm ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another edition of i'm not gonna hold you man i'm your host scott you know to follow me on twitter and instagram at barbchair scott you know to follow HB Media, HB Media TV on Twitter and HB Media on Instagram. You know to follow the brand of Barbers Chair Network at Barbers Chair at Barbers Chair Net on Twitter and Instagram. Visit our Patreon, subscribe patreon.com backslash Barbers Chair Network, man. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, man. Thank today. Thank you for joining me. We will be back in the studio by the end of the month. Um, so you know we got a couple more episodes to then. But let's get right into it, man. A lot of craziness happened in the MLB and in the NBA over the last seven days, man. The NBA draft happened, uh, MLB trade deadline, NBA free agency has started. A lot of things have changed, especially for some of my favorite teams. So we're going to get into the sound off, man. I want to sound off and thank the general manager of my favorite baseball team, the Chicago White Sox, and that is Rick Hahn. Last week I came on this show. And I basically pleaded to him, pleaded him to do something to make this team better and make them a legit contender, not just a team that can, you know, get into the playoffs and, you know, try to make a little bit of noise. But a team that really have a seat at the table with the Houston Astros, with the L.A. Dodgers, uh, you know, with the, you know, the Padres and things of that nature. And he went out there and he completely dominated. Not only did he go out there and get good bullpen help and uh, Ryan Tapera from the Cubs, Got him a solid second baseman and Cesar Hernandez from the Cleveland Guardians, as they're now called. Uh, but he the the uh, the home run, the home run of the entire trade deadline was going to get the Cubs closer Craig Kimbrell, who is arguably the best closer in baseball. And now the White Sox have two of the best closers in the game on the same team with Liam Hendricks, who's also he leads the American League in saves. He's been lights out to really to really, you know, certify and bolster that bullpen to probably being the most talented bullpen in Major League Baseball right now. As far as talent wise, it's going to be very, very hard to stop them. I think that he really addressed all the issues that we had on this team and it really showed that it was all in. You know, the White Sox have had a history of not going all the way in, just doing enough to compete, just doing enough to get in the playoffs in the few times they've been there over the last decade. But this was actually a real great step in the right direction, and I'm happy. And so now you just really just got to wait for the injuries to clear up. You got to wait for uh, Luis Robert to come back, who should be coming back at the end of this week, early next week at the latest. And you got Yasmani Grandal, who'll be back next month, I mean, sometime this month or early next month. So that's going to be good to look out to. So I just want to give a shout-out to Rick Hahn for finally getting the job done, man. I appreciate it. I didn't have to pull up on anybody. I didn't have to, you know, be angry on the trade deadline, man. So I'm very, very appreciative of that. But there was a lot of other things going on in the MLB trade deadline, man. It wasn't just the White Sox. It was a whole bunch of teams. This was by far the most movement that I've ever seen in a trade deadline ever. This is actually the first time that all the teams in the major leagues made at least one move, that some player was involved in every team in the league. So I'm going to break down, uh, you know, three winners and losers of the MLB trade deadline, man. Let's start with the winners, man. Of course, uh, I named the Chicago White Sox my team. We got Ryan Tapera, Cesar Hernandez, and Craig Kimbrell, and didn't really give up that much to give them, get them. You know, you just got to give up a couple minor league guys who, you know, really there was no really in any room for them on this roster. Uh, you gave up Nick Magical, who is a uh, major league ready 
Well, Major League starting second baseman to the Cubs for Craig Kimbrell. And, you know, he, he's one of those guys. He's going to hit for average. He's going to, you know, bat 300. He's going to always stay on base. He can be a good leadoff guy. And I think it's a decent return for a closer. You know, I know a lot of Cubs fans thought they're going to get, you know, the big guns like uh, Michael Kopech or Andrew Vaughn. And I just said on Friday that just – that wasn't realistic to happen, and Cubs fans kind of killed me on the timeline. Like, well, you have to give up good players to get good players, and then it turned around. I was correct, but I will put the White Sox is uh, one of the winners of the deadline for correcting all the mistakes they have on this roster. But I think the biggest winner, the biggest winner, got to be the LA Dodgers. It's got to be the Dodgers. Of course, they are the defending World Series champions. Man, they are in a hell of a division the NL West, which is kind of like a triple threat hell in the cell match between them, the San Diego Padres, and the league-leading San Francisco Giants, who have the best record in Major League Baseball. Um, I think that they are, you know, by adding Max Scherzer, who was like one of the best pitchers over the last decade, and getting Trey Turner, uh, who's also in the control for another year, it just also for them on so many fronts. It makes their rotation – uh, even better than it was before. Join them in there with Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw, who should be coming back from injury soon. And also with Trey Turner, you got a guy who can play a shortstop. He can play a little third base. And then when you've got Corey Seager, who's going to be a free agent coming this winter, if he does decide to go to leave and go to another team, you've got an automatic replacement for him there. And I just think that was a really, really good trade. I, I think it it wasn't a, ne- a necessity. Like it wasn't like something that they were lacking. I still think I would have liked to see them make some bullpen moves. You know, I do not trust Kenley Jansen. I don't understand how he's gotten away with murder for this damn long, honestly. Uh, it's like if you're within two or three runs and he's coming on now, you got a pretty good damn chance. I'm not really uh, – I don't really like to rest their bullpen either. So I would have liked to see them get some arms. They were also in the Craig Campbell talks, uh, which I'm glad that he didn't go over there because I would have been cheating. But um, I got to give them as one of my winners, man. And you can really see over the last couple of years that the Dodgers are becoming what the Yankees used to be. And not, you know, not saying, of course, you know, the Yankees have 27 championships, not in that aspect. But as far as how they move as the premier franchise in Major League Baseball, they draft well. They have a deep farm system. As you can see, they just give up prospects without a care in the world. And they spend money. They spend money in free agency, which is what a fan base wants. You know, they went out there and spent money on Mookie Betts. Uh, they went out there and now they're getting Max Scherzer. They're doing all the things that you want your franchise to do if you're a fan of them, man. So I would give uh, the Dodgers the other winning, winning spot. The third one, uh, I'm going to give to the San Francisco Giants. I'm going to give to the Giants because after a move like what the Dodgers made, you had to – you know, answer back to that move to be able to keep your solid ground in the division. As of right now, they have three games in the division uh, with a whole bunch of games left. So it's very much a striking. This is something's going to go down to the wire. But getting Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs, a last-minute move, and being able to get him without giving up some of your best prospects, especially the name that we was throwing, been thrown around a lot last week, which was Joey Bart. And that was the initial report that the Cubs did get Joey Bart. But come to find out they didn't. So to be able to keep their young guys, keep their future, and be able to get a guy like Chris Bryant and put themselves in position to be able to sign him uh, during the offseason because you know he's going to ask for a huge contract 
I think that's great. And he already paid dividends in his first game back when he played the Houston Astros this weekend, having a home run. And I think it's pretty funny that all the former Cubs had home runs this weekend with Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and Chris Bryant. And we'll get to that in a second. But I'm going to give them uh, a winner card for that. Um, I had three winners, but I'll guess like a fourth one I'll give to will probably be the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are in the AL wildcard hunt. They're like four games out right now. They have offense. They finally returned back to Toronto, which was great to see. Uh, it was the first time in two years that, that they played in front of their home crowd. And uh, But they're going to go out there and get Jose Barrios from the Minnesota Twins, which I was happy to see because Barrios always kicks the White Sox ass. So it's good to finally get him out the division. Now it's a heavy price to pay. They gave up uh, one of their best shortstops in their system, gave us some prospects. But, you know, you got to get – you got to give up some talent there when you've got a guy who's under contract control for next year, too. And then also getting Brad Hand, which, you know, uh, you know, kind of solidifies their bullpen also. and gives them a fighting chance in a crowded AL wild card hunt. You've got the Yankees in there who went out there and got Anthony Rizzo, got Joey Gallo. And you've also got the Seattle Mariners who are going to be in that race. I think it's definitely something that's going to help them uh, to try to edge them out. You know, they're going to be going up against Oakland. Uh, Oakland added some really good pieces, getting Sterling Marte, um, and you know, you know, really just helping that lineup a lot. Getting uh, Jan Gomes also; those will be my four winners. Now I've got three losers. I think the biggest loser of the trade deadline has to be the Colorado Rockies. I mean, for them to come out of this and not give up Trevor Story, uh, not get anything back for him when he's going to be a free agent this year, I thought was highly irresponsible. Uh, there was they just had to give him up. They could not keep him on this roster. And now, I mean, if he leaves, you get you a little late draft pick, but that's nothing compared to what you could have got for a lot of teams who, you know, needed additions at the last minute. And this is something where it's going to be a real heavy shortstop market coming up this offseason. If you're uh, Trevor Story, you got to be disappointed, too, because now, you know, this is not his best season that he's had. A lot of his numbers are down, especially outside of Coors Field you would like to see him on a winning team. There was a lot of smoke about him potentially being on the White Sox, but they were asking for too much. So I just really think it was a whole fumble by the Rockies organization. It's just a whole mess that they've got over there. So that'll be my first one. My second lose would be the Boston Red Sox. And I'll say that because, yes, they did add Kyle Schwarber, but he's still injured. We don't know when he's going to come back from that hamstring injury that he tore a couple, couple weeks ago. But they didn't add anything else. Pitching-wise, they didn't really add nothing that will put them in the thickest. Like, if I had to look at the American League right now, I still think the main, two main contenders would have to be Houston and have to be the White Sox and Tampa. And they're going through back and forth with Tampa right now for the AL East. You know, Tampa just swept them over the weekend to take a game-and-a-half lead in that division. And they didn't really do anything to – bolster their chances. I understand they're going to be getting Chris Sale back real soon, but Chris Sale's coming off Tommy John. Chris Sale ain't pitched in about a year and a half, longer than that, like into 2019. So you can't really rely too much on him when he comes back. Of course, he's going to be on the innings limit. So, uh, and especially the team they're battling right now for the ALEs, they went out there and got them a big bat in Nelson Cruz. I just feel like they really did not put themselves in the best position. Now, with that being said, they're still a good team. They'll be in the mix. But a huge swing of a move here could have really, really taken them to that next level. And my last loser of the trade deadline is going to be the San Diego Padres. Uh, there was a there was a report that came out before the Dodgers got Max Scherzer that they were the ones getting Max Scherzer. And it fell apart last minute, and the Dodgers came through and swooped them. 
I don't know exactly what happened in negotiations for that default, but you have to close the door on that. You can't let a picture of Scherzer's, uh, you know, Scherzer's caliber leave out your out, out, of, out of that trade, especially going to the division rival a team you're directly fighting right now in the LA Dodgers. And they didn't really do anything. I mean, they got Adam Frazier, but that wasn't a necessity. Adam Frazier was a luxury because he can play different positions. And now they're going to be dealing with an even different situation now because Fernando Tatis injured his soldier last week. And Fernando Tatis injured his shoulder a couple months ago, decided not to go, not to have surgery, which would have took him out for a couple months. And he probably would have been coming back around now. Now he's on a 10-day I.L. and they're saying if he is not, uh, fully ready in 10 days, feeling any better that he's going to have season in the surgery. And that's going to be a very big blow for them, especially with the way the Cincinnati Reds have been playing and they're getting closer and closer in the NL wild card, uh, race. So I got to give them my, uh, one of my loser cards for the trade deadline. So that's all my winners and losers for this, this week's, uh, uh, for this year's uh, trade deadline. So let's get into our next topic. Next topic, man. Of course, we all know the big teardown. And I came on this show last week basically saying how disappointing it was as a fan of sports. Now, of course, I hate the Cubs. I'm a diehard White Sox fan. I enjoy watching this teardown. But to see how they just decided not to pay the guys who won them a championship, the guys who they brought up on the minor league system, just to be cheap when they're a top three, four uh, franchise in the league as far as money-wise and revenue and things of that nature, for them to go out there and just tear it down the way they did by trading Anthony Grissom, trading Javi Baez, trading Chris Bryant, trading Ryan Sapir, trading Craig Campbell. I've never seen a teardown. Like, there was nine players on the Cubs who were traded last week. And now we've got you know, kind of back and forth that happens after a situation happens. So, Jed Hoyer, the Cubs GM, was on the radio this past week on the Cap and J Hood show on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And he basically said that this all happened because the Cubs big three did not want to, did not want to negotiate with them. And he basically said that outside of a guy like Kyle Hendricks, who he really bigged up, there was really no motivation for them to come back. And he says, you know, you have all these guys say they want to be Cubs for life. They want to be here for them to not even negotiate and, you know, reply with offers he felt was kind of disappointing. He even kind of referenced the White Sox, which was a little, you know, was a little shady. And he said, you know, you got to love a guy like Lance Lynn who says he wants to be there. He sits down with the White Sox and they hammer a deal down. And we just wish we could have got that from our guys. Now, of course, you knew there was going to be a little backlash from that quote. And Anthony Rizzo, uh, who got traded to the Yankees, was on the same network. Same show, Cap and Jay Hood show, ESPN 1000 Chicago. And this is was Rizzo's comments toward what Jed Hoyer said. He said, why? It just sounds like a bad breakup when someone says they're fine, but they're really not fine. When it comes to the guys on our team and what we did, all and with, he said, with all the good things we have did and good people, those things cost money. So it comes down to a business. You want your cake and you want to eat it too. That's just how it's seen. I think it can all speak for itself. There's a common denominator and in, in is that no one signed. We just had such great memories here that to come out and air and say that doesn't really make sense, but it is what it is. So you can really see the frustration from Anthony Rizzo with the way everything broke down. And he says there was a common denominator. And this is pretty much what I said last week. That common denominator is Tom Ricketts, is the Ricketts family for calling, you know, for, for crime broke when you're the Cubs, which is hilarious. And you can't do that. And Jed also ran those comments back, said he felt bad about saying that he shouldn't have went out there and said everything that happened in negotiations. But it comes down to 
Tom Ricketts getting that championship and saying, fuck it. I don't want to, I don't want to invest anymore in this team to try to get more championships, man. I just really think it's unfortunate the way that whole thing broke down. I feel like this team on paper should have won more championships. And I do feel like, you know, Jed Hoyer's put in a lose-lose situation. You know, if you bring them back, it probably would have been more of the same. You know, this is a team that since 2017 has not hit well in the playoffs and it needed a change. But I don't think you need to tear it all the way down. You could have kept one or two and just did a retool. Now the way they're setting up, it's going to be another tough four to five years on the north side of baseball to watch. And, you know, he's really just listening to what the Rickets tell him. Now, if you're a Cub fan, you got to be concerned. This is going to be something that's going to uh, make it harder to build the team here? Is Rick is going to be even cheap with bringing in any other uh, free agent signings? Or is this is just a window he just wanted to close and try again? That's something that's really going to be interesting to watch. But, you know, it, it's uh, when you look back at the Cubs run, I think it was an impressive run. It was the most, obviously by far, the most talented and most successful run in Chicago Cubs baseball history. You know, five, five playoff appearances in six years, multiple division titles three straight league championship series appearances, and, of course, a World Series in 2016. So you really can't get – you really can't uh, be disappointed of what happened with that. Um, but it's really just unfortunate how that ended, at least for Cub fans. Uh, let's get into some, some basketball. Let's get into some basketball moves, man. Free agency started on Friday. And as you see, I got my Bulls hat on. I'm very excited. For the first time in, shit, an extremely long time, I'm excited to watch this Bulls season, man. I got to give it up to the Bulls brain trust, the front office, Arturis Karnasovas, the Bulls president of basketball operations, uh, and Mark Eversley, the GM. They have completely flipped this roster on its head over the last couple of days. I mean, it kind of started all-star break when you went out there and got Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic. And then there was rumors last week about – Lonzo Ball possibly coming to the Bulls. How is that going to happen? Were the Pelicans going to match? And then it came out. It was the first signing on Friday. As soon as the clock hit 3 p.m. Pacific time, it was announced. Four-year, $85 million deal. Lonzo Ball's coming to the Bulls in a signing trade. And that was awesome because that filled a real big hole that the Bulls had the last couple years. We haven't had a point guard. If you look at what Zach Levine has been able to do with absolutely no talent around him, this is exciting to see, to see you know, what Vucevic and Lonzo can do. I mean, Vucevic and Zach can do with a point guard like Lonzo. And then it just kept rolling. Then even more news came in the day after uh, with uh, with um, DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is now a member of the Chicago Bulls, man. And that is also signed a trade, three years, $85 million, uh, with that young going to – the um, San Antonio Spurs. And I think this is big too. I think I see a lot of detractors who are like, what does this take the bulls? You know, you're not better than the, the, than the um, nets or the, the bucks or the heat or the Sixers. And I'm like, what you have to look at it is like this. I, I think we need to get past the point where if you're not contending for a championship that you just shouldn't do anything. This is a team that has been moving like a small market team for way too long. Honestly, its entire existence, even during the Bulls championship years, it's not like they were getting pieces every year. These are all homegrown guys. And outside of the year that they signed, that they traded for um, Dennis Rodman, who at the time, his his value was at its lowest. To where they had, all they had to give up was Will Perdue. 
this is not this has probably been the most busy free agency in Bulls history. I mean, you can talk about 2010, but even with 2010, those were not none of none of their number one options. Carlos Boozer was not the number one option. He was like the fourth or fifth, fifth option after they swung out, swung, swung and missed on LeBron and D. Wade and Bosch. And to see I see them be aggressive and and act like this is an actual big market team is huge. And if also something we need to pay attention to is Lonzo and DeMar chose the Bulls. Yes, these were signing trades, but they still agreed to come here. And this is something we've never seen players choose the Bulls. And it's, it's just something that is just great to see, something that's new to see, and it's changing the culture. And that's a big thing going forward. And these are all tradable contracts. If something doesn't work over the next couple of years, you can get rid of these. And it's one thing you always know about the NBA. There's going to be a disgruntled superstar who wants to get out. So now they're prepared for that. If there is, let's just say you want to get into the Damian Lillard talks or whoever else pops up and is disgruntled and wants to leave their team. You now have assets to do so. Even if it doesn't come that 2023-2024, you're going to have max slots. Four players, four free agents. You know, you've got Kevin Durant, who's going to be a free agent around that time. You've got Jokic, who's going to be a free agent at that time. And it just really puts them in the conversation. They'll be competitive. And this is a team where, as constructed right now, and I think there's still going to be a couple more moves. Larry Marketing is still on the roster. I'm not expecting him to be on the roster by the time the season starts. Of course, he's a restricted free agent. He can choose where he wants to go. But I do think there's going to be another sign and trade. Uh, that's going to be added to this team. And then, of course, they drafted uh, the hometown kid, Io, from uh, University of Illinois. He went to Morgan Park. He's a South Side product in the second round last week with their only draft pick, and that's going to be huge for the city. He's going to be a good player off the bench. That I think it's just going to be even better. So if you look at how the Bulls constructed now, I think by far we all know the top three teams in the East are the Milwaukee Bucks that are the defending champions. It's the Brooklyn Nets. When healthy, it really should be the Nets conference to lose. And, of course, I would probably have to put the Miami Heat at uh, in number three. I really love the moves they made this week with uh, getting uh, Kyle Lowry, adding P.J. Tucker. Um, and then, you know, four through six, I think, is where the Bulls are at. They're going to be in that conversation of getting four, five, and six with the Philadelphia 76ers. We don't know what's going to happen with that Ben Simmons situation. We don't know if he's going to be on that team or not. Uh, we also you can't count on Embiid to stay healthy. He's not been healthy for a full season. I don't think ever once in his career. He missed a huge chunk of time last year, even got hurt in the playoffs. That's always going to be a question mark there. The Atlanta Hawks, they brought back their whole team, brought back John Collins, just gave Trey Young a massive um, contract extension. But the thing I think you got to know about the Hawks is now they're on the radar. You can't pop up on teams anymore. This is not going to be a situation where you're going to catch teams off guard. You know, last year they were, you know, picked to be a playoff team, but nobody saw them, you know, being as good as they were. And damn sure didn't have them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, of course, injuries had a big part to play with that same thing with Phoenix. But why I like this move is because you don't know what's going to happen. NBA has been a league where it's been very injury heavy and you need to be prepared to make that leap. And I feel like they're definitely going to have a chance to get one of those three seeds with those teams that's going to be competing there. And I think that's really all you can ask for as a Bulls fan right now. You know, the Bulls have not been watchable probably since 
the 2014-2015 season. I know 2016-2017, they made the playoffs with the Alpha 3 with Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler and Rondo. But that was a cringeworthy team to watch. I mean, you had Jimmy Butler who couldn't shoot. You had Dwayne Wade who was way past his prime, also couldn't shoot. You had Rondo who couldn't fucking shoot, and they barely made the playoffs as the AFC. So there's expectation now for the Bulls. Now, they're going to be exciting. Every game is going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be energy. Back at the United Center, the Madhouse on Madison is going to be finally back. And I think anything less than a top six seed is disappointing. Uh, they cannot be in the play-in. And I feel like, you know, that is what has to be the standard now. And, of course, you got the Zach Levine contract situation. Uh, it's a big year for Zach. You know, a lot of people who are Zach detractors say he puts up empty numbers. You know, people say the same thing with Devin Booker before Chris Paul came. And so now you've got your talent. This is the most talented roster he's ever been on by far. He averaged 27 points last year playing with bums. He's having a pretty good Olympic campaign right now. Now he's got to step up, lead this team, and take them to that next level of a four or five seed. So it's all going to be interesting. But the big thing is culture change. The Bulls are finally acting like a big market team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to see, man. The Bulls have always been my first love. Like, of course, everybody knows the Bears are my favorite team. But the Bulls are the team that got me interested in the sports. You know, any kid growing up in Chicago in the 1990s, Michael Jordan was it. The 90s Bulls were it. You know, the 1996 finals is what got me into sports. So to see them being relevant uh, again and just being in the conversation is something that I missed. It's something I'm very, very happy about. And, boy, if you're a Bulls fan, you should be happy. Don't let nobody bring your joy down, man. Don't let nobody bring your joy down, man. So that's what I got to say about that. Let's get into our other NBA free agency moves, man. Uh, it's been a lot of movement. Has been a lot of Big movement, like not really too many superstars moving, like things of that nature. I think the, I knew this was going to be a weird free agency when you had Wolves say that Kyle Lowry was going to dictate the market. Now, Kyle Lowry is a really good point guard, NBA champion, but the narrative on him has changed over the last couple of years since the NBA Finals appearance with him and Kawhi Leonard. And he honestly had an argument to be Finals MVP in 2019. And so once I saw that he said that he was going to set the market, I was like, okay, this is going to be something different. Uh, I love what Miami did, like I, like I said earlier, getting Lowry, getting P.J. Tucker. Um, the Jimmy Butler extension, is, is it's, it's, um, it's a wild one. I love Jimmy. He's one of my favorite players. I wouldn't have gave him that much money for an extension. I don't know what he's going to look like when he gets older. I think in the last year in that contract, he's going to be getting paid like $45 million or some, something of that nature. So, um, But they do put themselves in a position to be a top team. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're a legit championship contender. I don't think they can beat Milwaukee or Brooklyn. But I do think they put them in the top three. And this is going to be a team where it's going to be hard to – Go against them. They got a little old school defensive type um, team over there. You know, they've already locked up, and now you add PJ Tucker to that mix. You're going to feel it when you play this team. And that's like a classic Pat Riley roster. And it feels like Pat Riley's just going out one last bang to see what he can do. So I really like their moves. And I do think it's going to be just the East in general got bigger, got better. I think with the Bulls, uh, with, the, with, the, with the Heat. And then the Knicks, the thing about the Knicks to me, I don't really know what the Knicks are doing. Uh, they, I think it's fair to say the Knicks underachieved. I'm not underachieved, overachieved last season. Uh, being the fourth seed, there's a lot of teams. A lot of people didn't even have them in the playoffs. I was one of them. Uh, you know, whatever happened, playoffs is whatever. But them getting to that point, I feel like they need to take the next level and try to add to that offense was a huge problem 
in that series. Defense was not a problem. It's never been a problem with Tibbs teams. But they had nobody be able to go uh, bucket for bucket with Trey Young. And I feel like, you know, they didn't do anything. You know, brought back Derrick Rose, which is good. Derrick Rose is one of the best players on the team last year. He's the only reason that series was even competitive. I don't like the Evan Fournier move at that price. I just don't understand it, giving him $74 million. I think he's a decent uh, player. He can get his own shot, but that's not really a game-changing move. And then today they traded uh, for Kimball Walker, New York product from the Bronx. He's going to be coming back home. That's going to be something that's going to get the fan base excited to see him be able to play in the garden again. But you can't really rely on Kimba anymore. Kimba hasn't been healthy in a minute. Ever since he got to Boston, it really hasn't worked out the way that he thought it was going to work out. And for the Celtics, just pretty much, you know, trade him to Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City saying, look, we'll buy you out, which was something key. We'll buy you out. Tells me that they're not that confident he can bring anything productive. So it's a real dicey move. I'm not really mad at it. I don't think it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a, it's a no loss situation here. But I would have loved to see them just make a little bit more moves and kind of like capitalize off what they did uh, last year. Because the East has gotten better. There's no guarantee this team is going to make the playoffs. So. I don't really like what they're doing over there, but that's kind of that's kind of the usual for the New York Knicks. Um, let's talk about the Lakers. Obviously, Lakers got eliminated in the first round in defense of their NBA championship, losing to the Phoenix Suns, um, mainly because of injury, mainly because you know Anthony Davis growing injury, LeBron never fully recovered from his ankle injury that he that he injured early in the season. Now they went out there and they go trade for Russell Westbrook. This is my thing about this. I don't really know what to expect from this Lakers roster. Go out there, you get Russell Westbrook. Uh, you got you some solid bench, please. Players, Wayne Ellington is one of the best three-point shooters in the league over the last couple of years. You go out there and get you uh, Kendrick Nunn, who the Heat just left walk. You brought back THT, which was big. Um, and went out there and got Malik Monk from Charlotte, which I thought was a really, really good signing. And Carmelo Anthony. This is an old ass team. They brought it's like they brought Melo back. He was a banana boat guy. Uh, they brought Dwight Howard back. This is his third stint with the Lakers. They brought back all the old Lakers. They brought back uh Trevor fucking Ariza or, or Trevor Reza's corpse, at least. I don't even I can't remember last time Trevor Reza was good. He wasn't doing shit with Portland. So I think they have a chance to your contender when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis when healthy. Russell Westbrook is a great player. He's one of the best point guards of all time. But Russ is a guy in the playoffs. I don't like his basketball. I just don't. I think Russell Russell Westbrook plays a real regular season brand of basketball where it's exciting. He gets good dunks. He gets all these triple doubles. He's missed the triple double. He's actually going to be putting up ridiculous triple doubles in the regular season this year now that he's got the best talent he's had on the team since Kevin Durant and James Harden were his teammates. And But when the playoffs come, Russ, Russ basketball IQ is very low, and that concerns me. It would concern me if I was a Laker fan. And I don't really know how it's going to work. You know, with with spacing wise, they've got some decent shooters now. But we even saw when he was with Houston, Houston had better shooters than what the Lakers have now, and that didn't really work out. So I'm not mad at the Lakers for the move. I mean, they only gave up Kuzma, you know, KCP, and guys like that. So it wasn't a big loss. You know, you you this is superstar leagues. You have the opportunity to get a superstar, you'll get you a fucking superstar. But 
you know, if you look at the landscape of the Western Conference, I think they they should be the favorites by default. Um, I don't like what the Warriors did. Didn't really get anybody at all. I think they're going to be relying too much on Klay Thompson. Klay's uh, coming off that ACL tear. I don't think you can rely too much on him in his first year. It's going to take him a minute to get back. He didn't really do anything. Kawhi Leonard's going to be out for the year. The Clippers swung and missed on DeMar, DeMar DeRozan. I mean, the Nuggets be back, but we got to see what, what we get from Jamal Murray. I always say, you know, Jamal Murray, I think he's a bubble buddy. I think he had a crazy bubble playoffs, but I don't really know if he can do that, you know, when, when the lights are bright. So that's something that I feel like is going to be something that is going to – we got to pay attention to. Utah be back. But I still think if healthy, the Lakers should probably be the favorite in the West. I don't think this wins them a championship. If Brooklyn is healthy, I don't think they beat them. I'm not even 100% sure they can beat Milwaukee. Um, and I think the biggest thing with Milwaukee is now they got that monkey off their back to where they're now the champions. They know that they can go out there and beat whoever. That's going to help them a lot. And they, I feel like Giannis has finally found his role in the fourth quarter. And I don't know if the Lakers can combat that. And this is an old-ass team. It's a team that averages – the average age is like 35. So they already had – injury concerns before that, and that's just going to go through the roof even more. And this is a team where you know that they're going to load manage a lot this year. I think if the Lakers are lucky, AD and LeBron are pay, playing 70 games. And then also we got to look at LeBron. LeBron's going to be 37 in December. You know, as great as he's been, father time comes for everybody. You know, and he showed it last year. You know, before last year, ankle injury would never take – would never have LeBron out that long. He missed damn near the whole rest of the season. It just didn't look right come playoff time. So I don't know if you can really, really rely on it. And, you know, I'm kind of torn. You know, I, I mean, obviously I'm not a LeBron fan. Uh, Laker fans are some of my arch enemies. But I love Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo is the only player who spurned one of my teams in free agency. And I still love him. And so I would love to see Melo in the finals. I would love to see Melo get a championship. I just don't know how it works. And it's gonna, one thing I will say, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Staples Center is going to be fun. They haven't had full capacity fans there in two years. So that's going to be something fun. You're going to have to sell dope to get into the United, get into the Staples Center. That's for sure. And it's also just cool to see Russ back on his home team. So, you know, I'm not really mad at any of these moves that the Lakers made. I think Rob Palenka had to do what he wanted, what he had to do. And it, obviously Brian had a voice in this. And LeBron says, you want somebody, you go out there and get it. Give him who he wants. <laughs> Green Bay. So when your franchise guys say to get somebody, you fucking get them. So they're definitely going to be must-watch TV, but I just don't really know what that team is going to be. They give me 04 Laker vibes, but 04 Lakers still made the NBA Finals, so we will see. Um, If you look at the rest of the league, man, I think that's just, you know, the it's going to be a very interesting season next year. It's going to be a very interesting, a lot of narratives, a lot of health narratives too, and I just really, really like what the Bulls did. I, I just love it. I'm excited for the season, man, and um, I'm ready to go. Those are my thoughts on NBA free agents. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to hold you, man. We are here with another guest, man. I've got the homie Chops in the building, Pete Chops from Complex. Uh, you hosted a whole bunch of podcasts. Got a lot of good things going on over there, man. He's a diehard Cleveland sports fan. Uh, Cavs, Browns, man. We, we, we've gotten to a lot of debates over the years, man. So it's good to have you on to talk some football, talk some basketball, man. What's going on? What's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing pretty good, doing pretty good, man. Uh, let's just get right into it, man. Free agency, good. 
been a pretty busy week in sports in general this last week. You know, I've never seen so many so much movement between the MLB and uh, <laughs> NBA all at just one time, man. So what's some of your uh, the things that stood out to you in the last couple of weeks? I mean, last week with the free agency, like, you know, Russ going to the Lakers, things the Bulls have been doing and just really show what's all your opinion on everything going on? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was actually that the like the lack of urgency that the Warriors seem to not have. I think that's one of the things that stood out to me because obviously they signed Steph, but like I don't know, you got you got the owner saying they're not a basketball team, they're a whatever a kind of whatever he said, and Draymond responded to it, you know. So I think the Warriors kind of like whatever their plan is has stood out to me. I thought the Bulls had a really good free agency. I think the Lakers rebounded. I, I I don't know how the Russ thing is going to work, but I think they added a lot of good pieces. I think the Nets stole Patty Mills. Like I think yeah. I mean I mean I think that's a that's like not fair. I don't hate what <laughs> like I don't know. I think it was pretty good. I think the Heat did pretty well. I mean I don't know. I don't know. Like I feel like there wasn't a lot of stars like super super superstars right. out there on the market, but I think teams did well with the guys that were available. Obviously, Kawhi is still out there. Maybe I mean he's not playing next year, so but maybe I mean I'm guessing he's staying with the Clippers. But you know, I think I don't think the NBA landscape changed drastically, but I think like some teams like the Bulls and Heat solidified themselves as like legit teams in the East. And then I think like Phoenix did well, obviously bringing CP3 back and stuff like that. So do you think like as far as like because we don't think anything's really changed that much for free agency? Where would you mm-hmm. put? the Bucks coming into this season as far as their chances to repeat? Well, they they brought – they lost P.J. Tucker. That's going to be yeah. tough. They lost P.J. They brought Porters back. I think I saw George Hill is going there. I mean, I don't know. Like, in my mind, if the Nets are healthy, it's the Nets East to win because right. – but, I mean, that's a big if. That's a big if. Is Kyrie going to be healthy? Is James Harden going to be healthy? That's a big if. So we just don't know. I think – I would put the Nets as the number one slot of the East right now. The Bucks probably like right there at two. And then from there, you know, there's, I think, a whole lot of teams that are, you know, pretty good coming back. Well, what's going on with your Cavs? I didn't really understand the, the, the hunch. Bro, I don't, I don't contract. fucking know. <laughs> I don't. Game out. The what? What'd they do? The $100 million contract with the, oh, Jared, the Jared, Jared Allen thing. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, I guess. I don't know. That team sucks. I don't know what to say. That team – I mean, Evan Mobley, I didn't want Mobley. I wanted Jalen Suggs. I wanted Jalen Green. It sucks that he went number two. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's Brown season. I don't know. I don't know what they're – I don't know what they're doing, man. They, they're going to suck again. I, they're going to suck. I don't know what to say. Well, so that, that's actually a good transaction transition. Let's just get right into football, man. That's what we're, it's football we're here to talk season. You about. see the hat. You football see the hat. <laughs> you ready to go? You got the football season going, man. Uh, the Browns, man. Y'all Oof. had a pretty good season last year. Uh, you guys made it to what's the second round? If I'm not we saying? made it to the divisional playoffs, the, and, yeah, and divisional we could have we could have beat those motherfuckers if they didn't. <laughs> the, the worst rule in football came back to get us, and yep. they didn't call a helmet to helmet on that hit too. Yep. So what do you got? What's your expectations for this season? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl above. What else could you what else could you what else could you expect us to expect? Bills fans are gonna say the same thing. Yeah. Uh Rams fans are saying the same thing. Like everybody in our class are is saying that, I think. You know, everybody on our level is saying 
Like, I'm not going to – like, because what's the difference between me saying AFC Conference Championship game is is the goal? It just I'm just going to say the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. But in reality, I mean, they need to, like a deep playoff run and, and hopefully a Super Bowl. That's the goal, I think. You know, they have everybody coming back on offense. They have one of the best offensive lines. They have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Baker, for the first time in his career, is in a, a system for the two straight years. Yeah, that's same it. coordinator, same system for two straight years. Odell's back. And then they like hopefully, I mean, on paper, the defense looks better. John Johnson, Troy Hill, Clowney, and everything, because the defense was atrocious last year. So in my mind, they should be legit Super Bowl contenders. Obviously, you have to play the game, have to see everything shakes out, injuries, all that. But I think that they are poised for a deep run. So what do you think? Because I know you're a huge Baker guy. You know, I know you defend Baker on the TL all the time. You know, you're going to war for him. <laughs> what do you think he's got to do to take that next leap? Because if you're going to go to Super Bowl, you know, you got to go against Mahomes again. I think he needs to do what he did in the second half of the season all season. He needs to have a complete – because he, start, he kind of started off slow. Then Odell hurt, got hurt, and they kind of took off. Is it just a coincidence that they took off when Odell got hurt or were they just starting to gel and it just kind of happened? I think it's probably the latter. It didn't really have much to do with Odell getting hurt. Like, like he didn't take off because of Odell got hurt. But I think he just needs to be super, like more consistent and do it over the whole season because the second half of the season, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, he, he threw was. two interceptions from week seven on the whole season. Like he literally, he cut down on his turnovers. He made great decisions. He was throwing touchdowns. Um, I think he just needs to continue to do that. And I think that they're going to really trust him more this year in the system in year two of it to really kind of take over and make it his own in this offense. Do you think the running game is still going to be a huge part of it? I know you guys oh, had one for, of the best running games in the, in, the, in the league last year. For sure. How could you not? Nick Chubb averaged 10 yards per carry in the fourth yeah. quarter last year. Like that's an insane stat. And you have Kareem Hunt. You know, like you're going to have to still – feed those guys and live off that. But the the beauty of Kevin Stefanski, and I bet you're happy that the Vikings let this guy out of the division. Yeah. I mean, we, we were beating them when he was here, but yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if he was coaching instead of Zimmer, it could be different oh, yeah. As, yeah. as the head coach. And, I mean, that's – but Stefanski is very good at mixing things up, and I think he's just going to be able to really roll on that more in Baker's second season and his second season with his team. Okay, I, I definitely agree with that. You guys are one of my teams that like I'm watching. I feel like we put the Chiefs on mm -hmm. that, you know, pedestal yeah. every year, and and of course we have Mahomes. That's that's natural. But I'm looking at you mm. guys and the Bills as yeah. the teams that's probably more equipped to beat them because as great as the Chiefs are, I'm still not a fan of that defense like that. I'm just I'm just really they, not. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes. When you have Mahomes, it's just. It like, has so many problems. That he you has had. so many problems. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think people would argue with you that the Ravens deserve to be in that class too, but their their training camp is starting off horrendous. Like Lamar on the COVID list, yeah. not vaxxed. They, they're down offensive linemen. They're down wide receivers. Like they're having a tough time. And I, I don't know. I don't – like I think the Ravens are always going to be solid and decent, but I just I, – I don't know if they're in that level as the Bills and the Browns. Yeah. And – you know, I get I, I get killed for my Lamar criticism. Oh, I mean, you hate Lamar. You hate black. You hate black quarterbacks. So, I do not hate black quarterbacks. I get that all the time. I have a black quarterback now. Uh, Andy Dalton's black. Oh. <laughs> but uh, you know, with with Lamar, I feel like the biggest thing with him outside of the COVID issue also is 
I don't trust him to consistently make yeah. big time throws. And that, that yeah. the Ravens didn't do a good job of getting him any help at wide receiver either, which I thought was going to be the number one I know, target. Them. I know they're excited about Bateman, but yeah, it was kind of odd that they didn't go after a Julio. They didn't, you know, try and make a splash in free agency at wide receiver. They didn't try and trade for a Rob. You know, I thought I thought that was interesting, and and they lost a lot on defense. Judon's yeah. gone. They don't have a lot of those 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 Baltimore edge guys that we're used to, you know. So I think if I was a bed man, I might bet on that Ravens under. I think it's ten and a half. I, I might you know take that under. Yeah, I, I definitely got you guys winning that division by like a decent. We're not favored. If, if your listeners are gamblers, the Browns are plus one fifty right now. You can get some good odds on the Browns to win the division. So who's the favorites? I know they didn't get it's it. Baltimore. It's, 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 it's Baltimore. It's, okay. it's Baltimore. Pittsburgh's third. I mean, okay. I. I mean, who knows about them? I mean, obviously, I mean, Mike Tomlin has never finished under 500 in a season. That's insane. That's crazy stuff. But we saw what happened to Big Ben last year. I just don't think that he can make it through a whole season. Like, I just don't think that he'll be able to do it. Yeah, he ain't been able to do it for a couple years now. So that's definitely going to be something to look forward to. But let's talk about the NFC real quick, man. The whole Aaron Rodgers saga is over. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like he's pretty much there just so he won't get fined. I feel like this is a, this is kind of like I don't like the last dance thing. Obviously, this is like a last <laughs> shot for them. Yeah, and I kind of feel like he's gonna be putting pressure on each game that is putting. You know, if we don't win a championship. I'm pretty much out. What did you think about his whole little, you know, back and forth through the off season? How it ultimately ended. I mean, I don't know. I can't I, – I, I don't know really the ins and outs of the situation. I mean, I heard he was going to retire yeah. like from a pretty good source before it, before he did ultimately come back, and he admitted as much he, that he thought about retirement. I think he just wasn't happy, and I think the reasons for his unhappiness were probably not completely fair to the Packers, but probably a little fair. Like, it, it, there's always a middle ground to everything, you know, in these situations. So I think – I mean, I don't know. I think there's still – just by default, they're probably one of the best teams in the NFC just because they're bringing Rodgers back. They have Devontae Adams. They have a, you know, a, a pretty good defense, I would think. Um, you know, So I think that they're going to – I don't know. I, I feel like he's definitely – like say they lose three games in a row. What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? That's the big that's question. That's what I'm saying. You know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. so it, say there's some adversity. Is he going to be like, well, fuck it. They told me they're trading me anyway, so, you know. So I think <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's gonna be very interesting to see if they because they started off so fast last year. They won didn't they win like their first they started off like what six notes some shit like that? Yeah, they, they started yeah. off like rolling. So like if they don't start like that, is it gonna be okay? I think that's what I'm interested to see. I mean, I think the NFC is is loaded. Like the NFC West, I have it's no idea what's crazy. gonna happen. Right. I have no idea yeah. what's gonna happen in that division. You got the Rams coming back, they got Stafford now. And they always say about Stafford is somebody who's watched him his entire career. Matthew Stafford is an interesting player because he's not as bad as everybody says he is, and he damn sure ain't as good. Yeah, as everybody says that's like, that's like yeah. a, a medium right there. But the yeah. thing is now he's with Sean McVay, who made Jared right. Goff took literally took Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. So, like, who knows? Literally. But I mean, but you can't count out Russ. Nope. The Cardinals are always good, and then the 49ers are super talented. And while I, I, I don't think Trey Lance is going to play right away, and I don't think that'd be a good idea. They might. That's another situation. Kyle Shanahan took Jimmy G to a Super Bowl. You know, like he, like those are they have two of the best coaches in the NFL in their division. So I think that's going to be a bloodbath. The South isn't that interesting to me. I mean, Jameis will take the Saints maybe to eight wins. 
Shout out to Jameis for giving us hella quotes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the Bucks will probably just cruise to that division, I would yeah. think. I don't think the Falcons or the Panthers are anything special. The Central, I mean, the Vikings are already falling apart. Like, Captain Kirk couldn't get his guys vaccinated. So. And that whole quarterback room unvaccinated. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really bad. I mean, I think the Bears are going to be interesting, obviously. I think as soon as it gets to just – just promise me that Dalton will be starting week three against the Browns. How about that? How about this, let's not go. This is, this is my over under. Now we've got, we've got, we've got, we got feet on the ground now that we have, uh, now that we've been covering training camp. And I would say Dalton is doing much better than expected. I've heard he's been looking good. He's I've legit been, heard he's looking good. good. Like my brother's been texting me from the practice, like, yo, I'm not going to lie. He's looking kind of solid right now. Yeah. Like, you know, and Fields has been looking good. I think the biggest question mark for me is offensive line. But I will say, yeah. I'm setting the over under for week six. That makes sense. That's usually what happens. Time, Justin, because one of two things will happen with Andy. He's going to get hurt or he's going to start huffing it up. I, one of the two. Yeah, I mean, and like, remember when Baker took over? They were like, oh, we're going to sit him, we're going to sit him, we're going to sit him. Week three, first half of that game, primetime game, Yep, he's in the game. Against the Jets, wasn't it? It's against the Jets. He led to a comeback victory, their first victory in like two years. So you just never know. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think the NFC East is always interesting. Dak's already hurt. The Cowboys are acting weird about this injury. They're acting real weird, in my opinion. If they can't hide it, though, they're on on hard knocks. So we're going to see the truth. (laughs) <laughs> come next Tuesday, but I mean, the giant, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You know, I, I keep hearing from people that the Eagles are about to trade for Deshaun Watson. So mm. that's another important thing to see what that's going to happen too. I feel like the, the Texans are really fumbling that I feel like they need I mean, to handle what, that. I mean, what can you, way. it's such a weird situation. I don't it's even weird, know. Yeah. I don't I, even know what you do. You know, I never thought I would give credit to the Dodgers, but I really like how the Dodgers <laughs> are handling the, the Trevor Bauer situation. Yeah. And just I feel like, away. Yeah, that they should do that. At least just you don't have all this more pressure. Well, the big difference between the two is the league stepped in. So Major League Baseball put him on the exempt list. Oh, that's true. NFL is refusing to put him on the commissioner's list. So until when when he's not on the commissioner's list, you have to pay him. And it's like, do you do you have him show up? Because he doesn't want to get fined. He doesn't want to lose his money. So it's like, what do you do in this situation? I think like, I mean, I I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, I don't know if he's going to play this year. Who knows? But He's clearly done with the Texans, and they're done with yeah. him. You know, and they've definitely reached, uh, you know, a dead end in that point. Um, let's just one last topic before I get you out of here, man. Uh, yep. Let's talk about the coronavirus situation, the Rona protocols. I like to call it. Big Raj, <laughs> as well, I like to refer Roger Goodell. Uh, he's not going. He's not losing any money. No. From what no. happened last year, those fans are going to be in the sta- stadiums. Uh, it's ninety percent vaccination record so far what do you think about the protocol and the backlash that has kind of gotten so far i mean you know you know roger about his money he's not letting any money out the door and just look at the amount of vaccinated among the age group of nfl teams in a in a in the public not nfl players it's way lower than what the nfl number is so the nfl is above and beyond all vax numbers for like their age group yeah that just shows you what it is right now they don't want to lose money Raj don't want to lose money. These teams don't want to lose money. So he didn't mandate the vaccine, but I mean, those protocols are crazy. If you're not vaccinated, your life is miserable in the NFL. It is miserable. You can't, you can't even sit with your teammates. You literally can't sit with your teammates. You can't do anything when you travel. If you test positive, you're automatically out 10 days. If you, you get tested every day, like if you test positive and you're vaccinated, you can still play that week. If you test positive on a Monday, because you only get tested twice a Twice, once every two weeks. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a major competitive advantage. That's why the Vikings are so stupid. The fact that Thielen, Cousins, and Harrison Smith all aren't vaccinated, like I believe what Michael Irvin said, they don't really want to win. Yeah. They are putting their team at such a huge disadvantage because close contacts, if you're vaccinated, you don't miss any time if you're a close contact with someone with COVID. You automatically miss five days if you're not vaccinated. That's a lot. That's, That's huge. Lot. That means that means any time after Wednesday during the NFL week, if you're not vaccinated, you're risking being close to someone who tests positive and then getting in and missing that week. If you're vaccinated, it doesn't matter. So it's just like I just don't understand. For one, the vaccine safe and save lives. That's like the number one thing. I I've returned my life to pay practically normal because of this thing because it's so effective. A second, it's just like if you really want to win in the NFL and you want to get your money, how could you not do this? I just don't understand. Yeah, that's the number one thing. Like even when I saw the DeAndre Hopkins uh, oh, comments, man. I was like, I was like, bro, man, you talking shit? You got three hundred mamas, bro. You'll be there. You'll be in practice next week. <laughs> but uh, man, it's always great talking football with you, bro. Man, let them know yes. where they can follow you on Twitter. Anything you got coming out, going on, let us know. For sure, yeah. Peachops underscore on Twitter. Uh, Browns podcast coming soon, and then we also have all the complex sports stuff. So yeah, check me out there. Yes, sir, man. Thanks, bro. Thank you, bro. Goofy mod of the week, man. Uh, this week, I am going to give this goofy mod of the week to Chicago media and Chicago fans who had a lot of negative shit to say about the Bulls this past couple of days since the trade deadline. And this shit is goofy to me too because we the, the Chicago media has killed guard packs and killed the Bulls so much over the last decade for the lack of moves just to come out here and kill them again for when they actually do make moves and say, oh, you still ain't got no championship. How is going to get you one step closer to the championship instead of looking at the actual goal of being able to open yourself up to many options and being prepared for whatever superstar might be available. And it's also a fan. Chicago Chicago sports and Chicago people in general, I mean, it, breeds, it breeds a lot of haters. It breeds a lot of haters. And it's always people who are fans of the Lakers or fans of the Nets or fans of, you know, teams who are just not in the city who always talking the most shit. And that shit just don't, don't feel right to me. I feel like you're a supreme goofy if you go against the home team. And I just feel it's corny. You got everything to say about these teams when you ran from it. And you run around with all these teams who got these superstar rosters and you have no actual loyalty to them, man. I just feel like it's corny in general. I feel like it's corny what the media is doing. Uh, and it's just like, it feel like Chicago, a lot of Chicago, anti-Chicago sports fans and Chicago media, they don't have anything to complain about then they're just not good. And all that shit's kind of weak to me, man. So I just want them to shut the hell up, especially Nick Friedel. Hope Nick Friedel, who's been the biggest pain in my ass over the last couple of years, always complaining about the Bulls and saying, Zach Levine doesn't win. Zach Levine doesn't win. Well, you're going to see this shit. So I hope he is somewhere shutting the fuck up. So that's what I'm going to give my goofy mark of the week, man. As usual, I'm thank you for joining me. We'll be back next week. I'm looking forward to being back in the studio at the end of this month, man. We're going to get back to that. And uh, yeah, man, we'll be we'll be back. Follow me on Twitter at Bob Chair Scott. Follow HB Media, HB Media TV on Twitter. You can follow them at, on Instagram at HB Media. Follow the brand, the Barbers Chair Network at Barbers Chair Net on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Barbers Chair Network. We out. We'll be back next week. Y'all have a good week. On the other line, so I'm not gonna hold you. Money on the other line, so I'm not.